As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Win Big, a marketing podcast based in the UK for business owners who want practical, approachable advice for their marketing. My guests are a mix of marketing experts and business owners just like you, and through a mix of expert advice and true business stories, we hope to educate and inspire you to find an approach to marketing that works perfectly for your business. I'm your host, Katie Gowdy, and I've been coaching small business owners on their digital marketing since 2016. My mission with this podcast is to give you the information and support you need to find your own kind of success in a way that brings peace and balance to your entrepreneurial life. You can find show notes from today and all our past episodes at thewin.co slash podcast. Hi guys, welcome to episode 103. Today we're talking about pay-per-click advertising as part of our ongoing series about strategies for growing your audience online. My guests today are Becky and Michael from Digital Gearbox and Josh from Serious Readers, and I'm really looking forward to diving into those conversations. Pay-per-click advertising is, as I'm sure you know, the term we use for ads you see online, at the top of Google search results and in your social media feeds, among other places. Pay-per-click refers to the idea that you only pay when an ad is clicked on, although a lot of the time that's not exactly what's happening anymore. With search ads, social ads, and display ads on other websites, in mobile games, in front of YouTube videos, and so on, the company who places the ad actually pays per impression. That means you're being charged for the eyeballs, even if no one clicks at all. That's okay though, they are effective at getting people to click, but they can be a bit of a minefield with lots of different elements to consider, from keywords to costs to audiences to the landing pages you link to, all of these things make a difference to how successful your ads might be. If you're on the fence about running ads, or if you're trying to work out how to get started, our first two guests, Becky and Michael, should be able to help. Becky is the managing director and Michael is the creative director of a specialist ad agency called Digital Gearbox. They help their clients place ads on Google and on social media, and they have lots of tips and advice to share. Welcome to the podcast, guys. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, yes, having a busy one, but um, I like the busy days the best anyway. Absolutely. How are you, Michael? 
Yeah, podcasts. I always get excited when I'm on a podcast. So uh, thank you so much for inviting us on and really looking forward to sharing some tips and some insight with you and your listeners. Yeah, well, it's wonderful to have you. So Becky, can you start by telling us a little bit about um, who you guys are and what you do? Sure. So we are um, Digital Gearbox. Well, we're representing Digital Gearbox today. Um, we are a team of specialist PPC, pay-per-click uh, advertisers. So that spans everything paid online. Um, so that's your Google ads, but also your paid social, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads. You name it if you're wanting to reach people and you're happy to pay to do so. Um, that's what we do. Brilliant. I'd love to know a little bit more about what makes a good pay-per-click client. I guess it's for for businesses that are serious about their online presence um, and have a requirement to drive more visitors to their to their websites or or their app or whatever they're trying to promote. Um, and I think to to be serious about it, you need a certain um, quality to your website. Um, so you need to be traffic ready, I guess. So that means it's it's a page that's optimized to some degree um, with a conversion goal in mind. Um, with that in mind, a good PPC client knows the objective of their website and what they're looking to achieve. They know what they're looking to achieve from paid advertising. You shouldn't be doing investing any money in any form of marketing if you don't know what you're looking to get out of it so don't just do it because doris next door said you should do google ads or because google ads indeed threw a 75 pound voucher at you and said do google ads you should do pay-per-click marketing because you know that you want to attract five new clients to your business a month or you want to obtain ten thousand pounds worth of sales on your e-commerce store a month whatever the goal is um you need a goal for ppc yeah, I think the one thing that we don't talk about enough is the fact that our ideal client is usually a business that if they wouldn't outsource the work to an agency, would probably be looking to hire an expert. So that's the kind of business that we tend to work with, at least in 2022 now. So we see ourselves truly as being... Uh, and I know it sounds corny, but we see ourselves as being an extension of our clients or specifically our clients' marketing team. So kind of if you think about it like that, we're, we're looking to work as collaboratively as possible. We absolutely hate it when people just kind of come to us and they just say, oh, hey, you're the Google Ads guys. Can you get us at the top of Google and all that kind of things that people were saying back in 2002? We found in our experience, that that kind of mentality usually just lends itself to uh, a, a campaign that won't work or or will completely fail uh, very, very quickly. Mm. I think I'd add to that in that kind of the, the businesses that we tend to deliver the best results for are they have a base knowledge of why they should be running pay-per-click campaigns for their business or base understanding 
they tend to appreciate all the things that we need to know to help make the campaigns run more successfully. So they'll update us on when they have new products. They'll tell us when they're changing the website in any way. So it is very collaborative, like you say. Yeah. So so it sounds like kind of the most important things then are the client being pretty informed about what they want pay-per-click advertising to do for them. And then in terms of um, like practical internal resources they need to have a website that is set up with that kind of advertising in mind yeah i mean we we've worked with some websites we love we've worked with some websites that we we love less um i think it's it is a journey and sometimes without particularly if someone's got a brand new website they they need to get traffic to it somehow and ppc is a really good way to to test a website and to test whether it's effective or not so we fully appreciate that without sending traffic and sometimes you need to do that through ppc you're not going to know if your website's uh, the best performing website or not um but kind of that collaboration element that willingness to to be able to make changes and to understand that it's not just us that's going to impact these results with with the traffic we're sending, um, but the website is such a fundamental piece to the the puzzle that if their website hasn't got a clear message, if there's any UX problems, that they're going to work with us or we're going to work with their web agency, whoever that might be, um, to make the campaigns as successful as possible. What we're able to do now is I think we are so much more informed and educated as to the questions that we should be asking people and and yeah i mean it's kind of the the amount of experience and the amount of data that we've gathered over the years has kind of made us a little bit more savvy to things so we can kind of we, we never want to do this of course but we can kind of turn people away now because you know maybe they have a website that doesn't have the conversion rate that we think would be that would make it kind of worth it make it profitable we can give those people you know that kind of information uh, right off the bat to you know, potentially save them from wasting their time and and money um or or you know we can basically tell them well you're not quite ready now but if you go and do this and this and this then you'll be ready and we can work with you so uh, i think the time and our experience working in this this area specifically in this era area exclusively has uh, really helped us with our conversations yeah it sounds like you're you're in a really strong position to guide people um towards uh, what's the best kind of uh, campaign to do and and as you were saying earlier which platform to be on and then also what they need to have kind of set up on their end before that's likely to be successful which brings me neatly onto my next question which is how do you measure the success of campaigns yeah absolutely it, it really depends on what the business um, goals are <clears throat> So we'll always have established what the the key purpose of of the PPC activity is. Is it to drive sales? Um, is it to drive sales at a certain level of profit? So are we working um, to a return on ad spend target? Are we working to a cost percentage of sales target? We, these are quite common ones that we get with e-commerce businesses. Um, some e-commerce businesses know that they've got a new product and they're not necessarily looking for profitable sales. They're just looking for sales. Um, others, they're looking for sales for a certain cost per acquisition. So that's another metric we work with quite a lot of the time. Um and for for the non-e-commerce guys, 
it's generally some form of conversion goal, which can be leads, which can be measured from calls from a website, contact form submissions, um, clicks to emails, uh, downloads, video views, whatever whatever their mechanism really is to collect leads, you can set up some pretty smart conversion tracking these days to capture when people perform those actions on your website. So I think those kind of two areas, either leads or sales, are predominantly what we work to for, for measuring the success of a campaign. Well, yeah, sometimes, so usually... Uh, a prospect or, or a client will come to us with their own metrics, uh, their own KPIs. And, you know, one of the things that, that we do offer is we offer a, a free account audit. Our audit can reveal quite a lot of things under the bonnet and and shine a light on things that the client or the prospect just really aren't thinking about. So using the example of uh, serious readers, and I know you'll be speaking to Josh shortly, is um, so when we audited the account, we noticed that there were a lot of missed opportunities with their keyword selection. They were overspending in certain keywords and, uh, and, and they were using far too many keywords as well. We really needed to tie that up. Um, but their quality scores, which is a, a very important metric on Google ads, uh, was was really, really poor. Um, they, they basically just had had uh, too many keywords that, that weren't personalizing the user experience and the keyword scores were suffering as a result. And what we can do now, what we've been able to do for a few years is actually split out that keyword, uh, that quality score to determine exactly where they're short, falling short. So the, the free metrics that make up a quality score is ad relevance, uh, landing page experience and expected click-through rate. And we realized that they were falling short in a couple of different areas. So what we were able to do is kind of give them another focus by basically saying, okay, so if we segment our campaigns out a little bit better by by product or by um, what the user is searching for specifically, what we can do is we can actually make some adjustments to your landing pages as well, or create some new landing pages as what we helped uh, serious readers do. So we can we can work with people that are bringing uh, metrics or, or bringing kind of their their goals to us. But then what we can do for our own processes is highlight some other areas where we can also focus in in addition as well. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so much to it. And there's so much that you can learn for your whole marketing strategy um, that it seems almost a shame to reduce it just down to, you know, cost per click. 
Um, but that is a question. If I had put up a question box on Instagram and asked people to submit questions, um, I'm almost certain that the most popular one would be how much money do I need to spend on my Google ads or my Facebook ads or whatever it is they are um, investing in. So I wonder if that, you know, for people who've never run ads before or who are thinking maybe I will, you know, speak to an agency about this, um, what's the kind of lower lower boundary of of how much you need to spend in order for a campaign to have some kind of positive impact there's no one size fits all answer for that question which um i'm sure you're expecting me to say um we have a a general guide to help people figure out an initial ad spend um and very very simply it's how much are you willing to pay per lead or per sale and I'd say put that figure to a absolute maximum. Um, so compare it with other marketing efforts, the time you're putting into other marketing or sales activities, figure out what that number is that makes it a viable route to market for you. Whether that's £5, whether that's £50, whether that's £500, it's going to vary per business. And then multiply that number by how many leads or sales you want per month. And that should be your initial monthly budget. So that's where you have to be realistic about what you, what kind of volume you can expect to get, but also realistic about what amount you're willing to spend to get there. Really, over the last, we've seen the online marketing has become increasingly uh, competitive, particularly over the last 18 to 24 months with with the global pandemic, really changing how businesses operate. A lot of bricks and mortar have gone online. The e-commerce space has absolutely exploded way more than I think any um, analysts have predicted before, um, you know, 24 months ago. Um, so, so it's been very positive, but it has resulted in there being a lot more competition. Uh, and as such, I don't think that you can really half-ass this anymore. Um, you can't just kind of um, prospect this. You can't just chuck 50 quid at it here and there and go, oh, I think that might be working. It's like, I think you really have to kind of go in uh, on this. And I, I don't mean, when I say go all in, I don't mean kind of just recklessly chuck 10 grand a day at it. Because, you know, you, you need to work within the the boundaries of, of your business and, and what you can realistically spend uh, forward on marketing. But really, when I'm having conversations with people, I use the kind of base budget to kind of really help set an expectation like Becky said. So really, I think if you're serious about Google ads or or PPC in general, uh, and you want to get good results and you want to scale your business, you should be willing um, to spend at least two grand a month on on the campaign, you know, and that includes agency fees as well. So, um, and I would say that's probably the lower end of where we would, where we would go, where we would start. Yeah. So I'm, I'm almost then hesitant to ask you my next question, um, but I, I think people are going to do this anyway, so we might as well give them advice on it. Um, I, I discourage people from running their own Google Ads campaigns um, because most people just throw money uh, into Google's pockets or Facebook's pockets and don't get anything back from it. But if someone is um, keen to become one of these more educated customers that you're interested in having you know, conversations with. I'm assuming at some point they need to just have a go and understand what's happening. So if that's what they're trying to do um, to become educated, to have a look, to see what's under the hood and how it all works, 
are there any you know lower cost campaigns that are fairly straightforward to set up that are actually worth doing from a marketing perspective as well as from that sort of self-education piece I think a lot of that depends on what other marketing activity they're doing and whatever traffic they've got going to the website. I always think a really good place to start with with paid ads is with the remarketing side of things, whether that's on Facebook or Google, because if you've got some traffic going to your website already, these are the hottest leads that you can talk to again because they're, they're they're showing the interest. You know that they've got some awareness of who you are already, so they should be the, the easiest people to warm up. And if you can't warm them up with your ad messaging or your proposition, then to try and offer it as a brand new concept to people that haven't heard of you before, um, that's going to be a harder game. So if you've got some traffic to work with, free marketing. Um, if you haven't, then you want to be tackling people as low down the funnel as possible as a priority so you don't want to be going for those big competitive words where there's multiple solutions you want to be thinking quite niche um, in terms of the, the more specific searches that people will be looking for you so yeah be really specific about the type of um, business you are um, some more longer tail terms but don't don't go too long tail because google doesn't work that way anymore um, but so rather if you were selling shoes for example if you've got a load of red high heeled shoes on your website you'd be looking to, to target people looking for red high heels rather than just shoes um, okay. that would be my advice on that I think the thing that I always see the most, and it, we, we feed back a lot more on it in our audits, which you can definitely get from us at distributorbooks.co.uk. <laughs> There's another plug there. Um, the, the, the thing that we see all the time is that people kind of just go mad and just set a campaign up for every single thing that they have. And the the most effective, I mean, if you're going to run your own campaigns and, and you're looking for real kind of low-hanging fruit, um, just, just focus in, just hone in on the, the, the one thing that you want to use Google Ads for or, or your PPC platform for right now. Don't overcomplicate it. Keep a nice... Uh, concise keyword selection maybe five keywords go a little bit more if you want go less if you want um but but keep things really simple uh keep things really small and and that way it won't overwhelm you and you'll very easily be able to see you know where your campaigns are going right where they're not going right where money needs to go uh where you can kind of rein things back in and that way i think more people will you know, be more inclined to use um, platforms like Google Ads and, and scale them up because they'll be keeping things nice and simple. One thing that we should caveat from our what we see, um, Google in particular try and push people to their smart campaigns or their smart shopping or smart uh, dynamic search ads, which. <laughs> They try and make it easy for people, which is why they're always the appealing one for people that don't know what they're doing because they're like, oh, Google's going to do it all for me. I don't have to think about it. But the problem with with dynamic search ads and um, the kind of smart campaigns is that they're very broadly targeting um, activity from your website and you have very little control. Whereas if you only have a limited amount of budget, you've got to put into this. 
you want to be making sure you're going after the lowest hanging fruit. So I would recommend not doing as Google tell you in that case and going for these smart options and really thinking about the the most targeted ways you can get in front of people that you know that you've got the right offer for them. Yeah, I be suspicious if Google are trying to make it really easy to pay yes. the money. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what you guys are saying, what you're both saying about, you know, getting things really specific on the keyword front and, and bottom of the funnel, it's reminding me, I did an episode just before Christmas about um, the customer awareness journey. Um, I think understanding that might be quite useful for people. So I will link to that uh, episode on the awareness journey. I'll pop that in the show notes for, for listeners who are interested. Um, but as I was saying before, before I asked, um, I definitely don't encourage people to do a lot of um, poking around under the hood and just throwing money at it to see what happens. I always encourage people to find a Google ads expert to work with or Facebook ads or LinkedIn or whatever it is they're doing. So um, what should people be looking for uh, if they are trying to hire someone? What are the markers of a good agency? I think there's some definite red flags you can watch out for. So um, just to flip the question a bit. So if, if a, an expert or a, an agency is saying they'll run your ads for you, but you don't get access to that account, that's a red flag. Um, You should always be able to access your data and any good agency would be happy to be transparent and give you at least read only access to your account it's your ad spend um you should be able to see what's going on one other thing is not so much a red flag but one thing you can check is it whether they are a google partner agency they're only awarded to agencies that have um are managing accounts to a certain desired level of performance they also have to have a certain level of spend i think it's over fifty thousand dollars worth of spend so that's again showing experience with managing accounts and the person has to be qualified as well so they have to do yearly qualifications at least on google um search yeah where can i where could one find out that someone is uh, has got the badge yeah um so there is a directory so you can go to google if you google google partners um there is a directory so you can check michael do you want to add anything i don't want to hog them all uh, myself personally, um, if I was looking for an agency, and, and I have been, I've, I've been client side before. When I'm looking for an agency, I'm usually looking for someone that is willing to um, dispense some advice, dispense some value first. Um, and, and this is how I kind of set digital gearboxes stall up. When I'm speaking to new people, it's always how can we actually help you first? How can we show you that we are, you know, legitimate in, in what we're saying, in, in the advice that we're dispensing, um, and, and also conveying the fact that if we can help you, we want to do that first and foremost. You know, the, the price how much it costs to work with Digital Gearbox should be the very last thing that we talk about. And I'm very pleased to say that in most cases, it absolutely is. So that's kind of what I would personally be looking for. Yeah. And and uh, just because I don't think you've mentioned it already, what kind of uh, opportunities do you have for people to to find out your advice? 
Yeah. So, I mean, we go to our website, www.digitalgearbox.co.uk. Um, we have a wealth of resources, articles, how-to guides um, that we've been putting together for years now. So there's so much stuff there. We usually release a new article a week and we're, we're working really hard to offer um, handy guides for anyone, no matter where they are, whatever their kind of knowledge is. We do tend to skew more towards kind of beginners and intermediates, but we're trying to put together material that will really benefit uh, marketing managers. And sometimes it's really handy to go and look at some some kind of basic stuff to just reaffirm what you're doing. So we have that. Um, we also have a podcast as well, the PPC Burrito. Uh, ask us about the name sometime. Um, but it's a, a weekly podcast where we talk about uh, the ins and outs of uh, the PPC industry. We share news and, and we, we get wonderful guests on such as yourself katie we've got an episode say, with you as well had a really good episode recently on marketing and mental health we did we had a really good <laughs> guest on recently uh, and hopefully we'll get you on again soon so we have the podcast uh we we have the website but we're also very active on social media as well we've got reels we've got sound bites uh and uh, and loads and loads of tips that will we hope anyway will provide some uh value to to people that are looking to get more from their campaigns Perfect. And what is your social media handle? Is it consistent across all platforms? It is. I'm very pleased to say it is. Yeah, it is at Digital Gearbox. Perfect. Well, people can come and find you and, and I'm sure they'll say I sent them. Um, so thank you very much for coming to chat with me today. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Speak soon. Following on from those expert insights from Michael and Becky, I wanted to share a different perspective from the business's side of things. Of course, it's all well and good hearing about ad strategy from experts, but it also helps to hear how that's worked out for people on the ground and to look at a bit of a case study. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. To help me out with that, I spoke to Josh Smith from Serious Readers. He's the head of their marketing team and was responsible for running their initial ads and for their partnerships with ad agencies in the past. They're now working with Digital Gearbox, so you'll hear a little bit from him about how that is and how he went about finding an ad agency to work with who met his specific criteria. So without further ado, here's Josh. Josh. 
Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to have you today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Cool. So tell us a little bit about Serious Readers um, and what you do there. Who do you work with? How are you helping people? Sure. So Serious Readers is a company that's dedicated to light. So we make a range of fantastic reading lights. They're all built in the UK and they use a special technology called daylight wavelength technology that replicates the spectrum of natural light and just a bit of history as well about us. So we started very um many years ago uh, with sort of ads in newspapers and we're still kind of very heavily print focused but um as i'm sure we'll talk about more we're um, we're making the switch to much more of a uh, a proportion of our marketing budget being spent on digital channels mm. yeah so we will absolutely get into talking about um pay-per-click ads um because that's the main topic of today's episode but i'd be really interested to hear um about your kind of bigger picture of, of like what's involved in your marketing strategy and um, who are you reaching and what are the main channels you've been using so far like historically and then next we'll talk a little bit more about how you've brought in pay-per-click sure so um so as i said the the, the business started from a, quite a simple model adverts in newspapers that get you to request a brochure and then you you join our mailing list we, if you don't buy immediately, you know, we mail you sort of several times a year and, um, and you know, potentially, eventually you, you might purchase from us. Um, so we, so we still spend actually about half of our marketing budget in the press. So we, we find that our most effective channel, rather than off the page ads in the newspapers themselves, we, we insert brochures into newspapers because that, it, we, we reach, we're reaching people, but we're cutting out the process of having to request a brochure. You know, you've got all the information there immediately. So the press is our sort of main channel. Um, we do also quite a lot of leaflets in magazines. So any kind of, to, to be honest, most magazines, no matter the niche, um, because you've got passionate people who love what they do. I mean, we're in all sorts of um, publications from sort of gardening to, to cooking and they, they all, um, because we tend to go for publications that have an educated audience, generally quite affluent as well. Um, and, and that tends to work well for us. Um, and we also do some, co as well as our customer mailing. So we, as I said, we send mailings to people who have signed up to receive mailings from us at some point or have made a purchase. We also do cold mailings from time to time. So that's sort of either door drops, so um, unaddressed mail to kind of various sort of postcode areas, or just uh, profiled kind of cold lists as well. So we, um, and that kind of brings on to who are, who we're talking to. So we, um, our average sort of customer is 65 plus, because we're, we're looking, you know, we are a product for people who have difficulty either reading or focusing on what they love doing. And as you get older, your eyesight does begin to, um, begin to, to fail. So, um, so at the minute, our average sort of customer is 65 plus and they might, and they might be so struggling to do what they love doing um, now. Like I said, whether that might be reading or, or needlework or craft work, you know, we're there to help you to, continue to be able to do what you love. Um, but then we also realise that as well as the, the sort of maybe an, an elderly um, sort of customer, there's also another sort of group of people who they're on top of their game, you know, they'll, they'll still be employed. Um, but maybe because it's when, when you get to 40, I think it's sort of generally when, when people start noticing changes in their eyesight. And actually, 
there's another sort of group of sort of your high performers who also use use our lights to kind of stay at the top at the top of their game and um, and keep doing what they're doing. Okay, so there's there's that kind of the older group is is your traditional audience, and then you've seen that that the kind of this younger sort of middle aged group, I guess. And, uh, you know, thinking about the people who I know in, in those different age groups, um, I know that my mum, for example, loves to buy card making magazines. Um, but she also um, is on Instagram. She's also, you know, online all the time, Googling things, sending people emails. She's very tech savvy. And so I can see that. Uh, and also, like, as I get older, I am less likely to buy magazines and more likely to read blogs about the stuff that I'm interested in. So I can see that there's a need, as we're going to talk about, to bring in more digital channels. So tell me a little bit about how that's become important to the business. Sure. So we, I'd say, as a, as a company, probably slightly behind others in terms of our kind of adoption of um, some digital channels, because Five years ago, only sort of 30% of our orders were actually taken on the web. So at a very high percentage of orders over the phone and actually quite a few postal orders as well. So, you know, send in a postal order with a, you know, with a check. Um, but over the past five years, and especially in the COVID year, you know, we've, we've noticed such, such a rapid shift towards ordering online, which is obvious i mean as people become even even uh, the older generation as they become more acquainted with um you know with technology they're much more likely to to order online and trust it rather than um you know rather than thinking sending in a, a postal order form with your card details in the post is 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 safer um and to be honest it's um as people and, and now as the generation that are turning sort of 60 or 65 have been using the internet for you know sort of 15 20 years it's it's much more of a sensible place to try and reach them rather than in the press so um it's it's definitely become much more of a priority in terms of shifting shifting our spend towards digital because it's it's just now it's a highly targeted way of getting in front of people, you know, placing adverts in the press. Naturally, you'll be in front of a lot of people that aren't interested. It's a great way to get in front of people who may be more, uh, more likely to be interested in your product. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of reasons, but just in general, like, like I said, it's a shift away from, um, away from the press in particular for okay. us. It's important. And so did you find then that it was the change in your customer's like use of the website, which then led you to consider changing your use of digital marketing? Yes. So at the moment, our kind of biggest struggle is that with nearly everything that we do offline, it's a catalogue. So you make up your mind on what you want to order with all the information provided to you in that catalogue. With uh, recruiting, our website is not really set up for that. So what we're... I guess our main challenge is kind of at the minute trying to make our website be able to do both jobs because there's the vast amount of people still that come to our site will have seen some sort of marketing material with all the information they need to make a decision in. But there are people now, as we spend more on digital, there'll be more people coming to our site who don't know much about us. And our website needs to be able to do the job of giving them the information they need and warming them up. Whereas at the moment, it's probably not still quite geared towards that. Um, so it's trying to cater for both um, both groups of, um, of individuals. Because mm, I guess if someone's read a catalogue, then all they need is this kind of streamlined 
version of, you know, website homepage, product listed, click on that, buy the thing, sorted. Whereas if somebody's coming from a Google ad or a Facebook ad, um, then they don't know anything. So if they arrive on a homepage that just lists products, they're like, well, who is this company? Why do I care about them? And all that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, so, so we do, a, um, so we, we've devised a strategy to kind of try and sort of mitigate um, the effects of having a very catalog based website, because we don't want to interfere with the journey too much of the people who want to come just to order, because it is a very streamlined process. You go to the web, you know, you go to the homepage, our most popular products that sort of 90% of people purchase are there. You click on that, add it to your basket order, you're done. Um, so with any kind of um, online recruitment activity, we use bespokes of offsite landing pages that give a completely different experience. And they're designed to give people the information they need in a, um, in a visually engaging way that then takes you straight to the product page if you decide that you'd like to order one. So we're kind of, we're, we're trying to cater for both people that way. And I think the journey is much, is much better for both groups as a result. Mm. So, and what tool are you using to build those kind of offsite landing pages? So we use Unbounce to create Unbounce. those. Unbounce, cool. I've heard of that one. And we'll pop a link to that in the show notes if people are curious, because I've heard of um, kind of other smaller businesses needing offsite landing pages if they're experimenting with new products or they're just not, able to afford a developer to like make massive changes to their website so i'm sure lots of people find that useful it is a um, i mean it's it's a very helpful tool for a few reasons for us um because if you for, for example you know if it, not just for ppc but also for emails if you're doing an email about a group of products or a specific offer for example that is not necessarily obvious how to get to from your website or it, it can just simplify the experience for the for the user um, and because it's what you see is what you get you can you have the sort of a lot more flexibility than you do on a website that is not necessarily geared up to making massive design changes our website's quite an old custom build um, which you don't have a great deal of flexibility on so it's um for, for us it, it makes a lot of sense to use a tool like that yeah that's really cool. Um, and then, then I suppose your your landing pages are functioning kind of like those flyers or those catalogs that people get falling out of their magazines, where it has lots of information on it, and then the website still functions as the kind of checkout spot. Exactly. It's it's all the same information generally as you might receive in a brochure. Um, I say presented in a slightly different way, but it's um, it, it's a it's a single page designed to take you through the um, you know the pain points that you might be experiencing, and then introducing our lights, and then helps you make up your mind all in one page and straight to it. And it's um, we found it to be very effective. We we we, uh, we did test initially whether to just send them to because we've been running obviously PPC for for a long time, and we we found this way when we tested it incredibly effective compared to just dumping people either on the website itself or on a product page without that supplementary information. Mm. I'll have to get you to give us a link to maybe maybe a landing page you're not actively using for ads, so we're not going to mess up your data, um, but so that people can see the difference between those kind of brochure landing pages and the, the website itself. I think that'd be really interesting for people to see. Yeah, of course. Perfect. Cool. So 
tell me a little bit more then about how you found the sort of whole process of getting set up to run ads. What's been surprising about it? Or are there like really important things that you've learned that you didn't know at the beginning, which would have been like useful maybe to share with other business owners who are considering that same step? Yeah, of course. So for us, I think, so I tend to categorize it into a couple of different, um, a couple of different segments. So we, because we do, uh, as I said, a lot of offline marketing, we are sending a lot of people to our site, but they're, they're searching for serious readers. So they know about us already. They just want to get to the site and, and order what if they want to order. So that's fairly straightforward. Um, and we, we've all, we've always done that. Um, that, you know, it's, I mean, everyone should be doing that, um, as a, as a bare minimum. Um, but then we started sort of exploring what else we could do. I mean, because you've got, so in terms of non-brand PPC, you know, we, we were already in kind of the sort of obvious places. So reading lights, I mean, you know, if you want to appear somewhere, it's, it's, it's there. But over the last couple of years, we sort of started exploring it further, you know, and then we, we've kind of expanded our account significantly. So we've, we've got, I mean, it's sort of segmented into pretty much every different hobby that you might need a light for, every different eye condition that you might need a light for. Um, and it's... What, I think one of the things that's interesting is it can actually quickly become quite unmanageable um, segmenting stuff too heavily um, because I think we, we started off not sort of segmented at all just sending everyone to the same um, the same landing page and I don't think a one-size-fits-all approach works because everyone has different needs you know someone who's looking for a light for reading does not want the same thing as someone who's looking for a light for artwork um, but at the same time segmenting very heavily into like needlework, craft work, artwork, all the different things, actually to the time taken to create all those landing pages and for actually for quite low traffic kind of topics in the first place is, um, it, it's been very time consuming. So, so I'd say one, one of the, one of the first things I'd say when, when you're looking at actually what you want, what you want to split your campaign into is sometimes it's very easy to try and add a bit more and add a bit more, but it can quickly make the whole process sort of become a become quite a lot even if you do use an agency um to be honest um what else do we do so we i think it's it is time what we do is quite time consuming in general i mean the, the build of each of these bespoke landing pages takes you know takes a long time but it is important to put that work in up front because for us, every other channel that we that we use is kind of like a burst. You know, you, you spend this on market on a on a brochure, it lands, you get a burst of sales, and it's done, you move on to the next one. But this is like a con, you know, it's a constant, it's ongoing. You uh, you shouldn't necessarily set it and forget it, but it's it's there and it's it's a constant. Um I think the other sort of thing that surprised me a little bit is it's it's a cost of, for us it's actually it's one of the most cost effective ways to recruit people so it's more cost effective than any of the print channels that we use um but it is very easy to kind of burn through money if you don't have your account optimized in the or uh, in, in the right way um so i think we've got our kind of targeting down um you know down very well now but what we found when we reviewed, I mean, this this was a couple of years ago. Is there's some there's some keywords that just you know weren't working, um, and they, they they weren't ones necessarily that you'd expect. Um, so 
it's important to keep an eye on things because you can, um, even things that make sense don't always work. Mm. And it's, and it's easy to, um, like, like I say, spend through quite a lot of money without just getting anything in return. If it's, if it's not the right sort of keywords you're going for. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like as a kind of to, to step back a little bit from the, the sort of individual things that you're saying, it sounds as though you'd encourage people to approach with some level of caution and not kind of go crazy with like a million different keywords at once, but not to be so entirely cautious that you're like limiting your opportunity to just one or two different keywords. You, you think somewhere in the middle ground is, is going to be a good place for people. Definitely. I mean, we, I mean, I'm a believer in sort of spending the time and the money, you know, spending the time on where the money is, um, to be honest. And and what I found is that by overcomplicating things, we were spending a lot of time on things that were probably very unlikely to make much money, very low traffic kind of keywords. Um, so I think, yes. Yeah, so so what, what we've come to now after sort of some, some review of kind of best practices, um, we're in the process of restructuring our account again, based on what I'm about to say, it's not done okay. yet but is to have sort of no more than sort of four or five kind of recruitment landing pages. So we're going to have one for reading, one that's a, a catch-all for all the different creative hobbies that although might be different, they all have the same needs. Um, so, you know, whether you're doing needlework, artwork, what have you, it's colour that you need to, you know, that, that you need and that will reflect that. And then a landing page for eye conditions because although every eye condition is different and the effects on people are completely different, the end result is of, of what you actually need the light for is the same. So, so we're kind of rebuilding it to uncomplicate some of what we've done because it became quite, you know, it became a bit overcomplicated, um, but to, a, but still to be able to speak to people in a way that kind of conveys that we understand what their needs are for what they're, you know, what they're looking for a light for. So if it was just one sort of blanket landing page, it wouldn't have the same effect. Hmm. And are those sort of three pillars of content reflected in your organic content and other things as well? Yeah. I mean, we, we go, so we work to try and educate people about, um, light and sight and its effect on people so so every so everything that we do it we're, we're focused on educating people about the impact that light can have on any kind of hobby or any sort of condition that you have and we try and convey that across everything but it's but with ppc we can get more targeted about what we do i mean in, in a brochure um we might have to be more general because we're kind of broadcasting it, you know, to, to everyone. We don't necessarily, we don't necessarily know who we're speaking to in the same sense, you know, if we put a brochure in a newspaper. So you have to be much more general about, about the effects of what you're talking about. And to be honest, because reading is the kind of thing that most people who use, it's the thing that most people use our lights for. And to be honest, if you're reading a paper, for example, you're likely to want to read. Mm. We find that in our kind of offline channels, we maybe don't get the the messages about the sort of niche hobbies or the eye conditions across as much. So this actually gives us a great kind of platform to reach people with more specific needs and address them, whereas we might not be able to elsewhere. So there's this kind of new opportunity then to expand what you're doing. So your, your kind of traditional printed flyer type, brochure type content is 
is more general and then you can niche it down with your digital stuff. Absolutely. And of course, we do we do segment our print campaigns of first party data. So if we're sending a, a, a mailer to our customers, I mean, we know what their interests are. But something like I say, a, an advert in a newspaper, we you know, you, you can't um, you can't get too specific um, with that. Whereas, it, yeah, it, it opens doors up to to reach different groups of people for sure. Yeah. So I'm interested now to talk a little bit about the the agency piece in all of this. So did you guys originally start running ads by yourself or did you go straight into working with an agency when you decided to run um, online advertising? So initially we started running ads ourselves, but this was a long time ago. Okay. And to be honest, the, the need grew for an agency as the business grew. Um, because when you're running just purely kind of branded ads or even just like a single ad group for reading lights, for example, it's okay. There's still work involved for optimization, but it's not necessarily a full-time, full-time job. But as we've grown, as we've launched different, like different types of products, um, as we're trying to get more specific with who we target, the language that we use, it's become more important for us to be able to rely on an agency because I, I, I think with, with a lot of these things, you know, we, we could do it in-house, but actually we need to dedicate a lot more resource to that. And there's people who out there who know exactly what they're doing and it just takes the pressure off and means that we don't need to worry about it in the same way. Yeah. And was Digital Gearbox the first agency that you worked with or did you kind of look around before you found them? So we've worked with a couple of agencies um, before um, before turning to digital, digital gearbox. Sorry, and I think the the challenge that I've had sort of with agencies in the in the past is I think that they can grow complacent if you because. I, th- I think especially with PPC, a, a lot of work obviously goes on in the background with sort of opt- optimization, but. The difference with working with Digital Gearbox as opposed to sort of agencies that we have worked in the past is being proactive with um, with ideas and ways to grow. We, we hadn't had that in the past, whereas, um, whereas digital, digital Gearbox have helped us to sort of take some of the ideas that we've had and actually make them a, make them a success as opposed to just um, kind of opt- optimizing ads and not sort of driving growth. Okay, so so if someone's out there looking for a good agent, ad agency to work with, that would be kind of a key characteristic. Whether Digital Gearbox is the right fit for a listener or not, you would say that that kind of proactive developmental thing is, is really important to look for. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important that, for me anyway, that an agency should push you and not just tell you everything's great. I want to hear what we're doing badly and what we can do better. Because that's what, you know, that, that they, they they are the experts in the field. You know, the reason that we take them on, um, you know, the reason we work with any agency is because either we don't have the skill set or the capacity or both to do what we, um, you know, to, to do the work ourselves. And it's very important that they, that they push you and help you grow. Yeah. And was that something that you could tell from the outside, from the marketing you saw about them and the sales conversations, did you know before you signed up they were going to be like that or was it a pleasant surprise after you became a customer? 
It was a, I mean, for me, it was a prerequisite because I'd had a couple of experiences in the past that were, were different to that. And we'd spoken to a couple of agencies. I think, to, to be honest, what I liked, uh, what I liked most about them is that, I mean, especially when we started working with them, what I loved was the sort of small company feel. You know, you're, you're not just a number. Um, and to be honest, they were just warm and friendly and engaging. And, um, and yeah, I, I, you could tell it was going to be a good sort of experience working with them. Because you you knew exactly who you were going to be working with and that they were really focused on your business. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that exhausts all my questions for you today, Josh. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with me about your, your business and about PPC. Um, it's been fascinating. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. If you'd like to connect with Josh or learn more about Serious Readers, I've popped the link to their website and to Josh's LinkedIn profile in the show notes, along with the other bits and pieces we've been mentioning all throughout this episode. PPC ads are such a valuable tool for businesses who are in that scaling phase, where they have a good level of sales and they have all their systems in place and a bit of a budget. If that's your situation, ads may be a really good fit for growing your audience and promoting sales directly, just like Serious Readers are doing. Or if you have a longer customer journey, you can use ads, as Becky mentioned, for lead generation instead and promote sales down the line with other strategies. Later this year, we'll be moving on to the audience retention and sales portions of the buyer's journey. So if you need insights on the whole shebang, then make sure you're subscribed to the podcast in your podcast app on Spotify, or you can join the mailing list on our website to get somewhat regular updates about when episodes are coming out. In our next episode, I'm speaking to longtime friend of the pod, Abby C. We got stuck right into a conversation about reels and how Abby's been getting used to using them to grow her audience mindfully on Instagram. We also talk loads about how to find a content creation process that works for you and about how it's not worth doing if it doesn't make you happy. I can't wait for you to hear it. That is all for today's episode, number 103. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you soon. Thanks for listening all the way to the end of today's episode. You can find the show notes at thewhin.co slash podcast. If you're a fan of the show, make sure you open up your podcast app and subscribe. And if you have two minutes to leave a review, I'd be so grateful. It really does help to let more people know we're here. I've been Katie and this has been the Whin Big Podcast. See you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 